us invite the Lord's presence. Lord, we are so thankful today that you have made it possible for us to come together once again. Lord, we love, love, love your word. We thank you, Lord, that it just feeds our spirits. And today, Lord, we, we need the strength that we draw from it and from the hearing of your word that gives us faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. God, we thank you that today you have given us, Lord, the, uh, the, the revealed word of God, your, uh, the canon of scripture, Lord, that we rely on and we trust in today. And we ask that you would help it to just get embedded in our spirits and minds today. And we'll give you the thanks for it in Jesus' name. You may be seated this morning. Uh, We're going to look at uh, one verse in Philippians and a few in the book of Acts chapter 23 this morning. All of this is in your bulletin. Uh, it will also be up on the screen here. Uh, thank you, Brother Josh. We're going to read from Philippians verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, this this verse has become one, one of my favorites. Uh, I did a study of the book of Philippians a while back, and this verse really, really stood out to me and ministered to some things that, uh, that was going on in my life and some of my friends' life. Uh, I shared this verse with them. I just think that it is, it's an awesome, awesome verse. I mean, it's confident, as the scripture says, that what God has started in you, he's going to complete. Amen? Now, in Acts chapter 23, we're just going to read about four verses here. And this is found on the right side of your, right, uh, page three of your bulletin, I guess you'd say. Uh, and the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse, or oath, in other words, that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now, I'm going to share some of the context of this passage in a moment. But we are beginning a new series today. And we're going to be talking about how that faith uh, works in our lives, a living, working faith. And I want to... Uh, just share a picture with you, Brother Josh, if you can uh, find that. Uh, there are many, many paintings throughout history uh, there's, that have been left unfinished, uncompleted. Some of them have become famous. <clears throat> One of them is this picture of Franklin Roosevelt and uh, it is not the official portrait that every president has an official portrait made. Artists would come and do them. Uh, and, and many of our presidents, we, uh, when we think of them, that's what we see in our minds, that official portrait, because they have just been so attached to them. That's, that's what we see. But uh, those presidents, you know, those, it, it just kind of captures our attention, and we, that's, that's the image that is in our minds. But of all of those, there's, there's none kind of more chilling and odd than this one, because this portrait was, uh, it's, it's not the official one, it was after that one, uh, but the artist was invited to come in on April the 12th of 1945, her name was Elizabeth Shumatoff, and uh, she she began this portrait that morning. But during the day, he uh, developed a very very severe headache, 
and he suddenly collapsed in his chair and was pronounced dead just two hours later. And so the portrait was never completed. It was never finished. And so it, it just, uh, it, it's, it's almost as if that it's appropriate that it was an unfinished work. Uh, but there are a number of, of unfinished portraits in history. I did a little search on the internet looking at some of these and, and uh, it's, it's some fascinating stuff, but uh, it's, there's not just pictures like this. Uh, Brother Blake, who is a music major in uh, college, learned a lot about music history and stuff, and I'm sure he can tell you that there are uh, unfinished symphonies, musical writings that never got completed. Uh, there's, of course, we all know architectural structures that have been started but never completed and they remain sort of as a, uh, just a, uh, they're known for that, you know, you, you can see that. Uh, there's a lot of, perhaps the architect died, perhaps the, the, the builder, or they run out of funds or something like that. Uh, and it's inevitable that some human works are ultimately going to be left unfinished. But this is never the case with the Lord. Amen. I'm confident of this. He which has begun a good work, he will complete yeah. what he has begun. This verse in Philippians tells us. Now, God has a scripted plan for every one of our lives. I hope you believe that this morning. Yes. Now, it's up to us as individuals with free will to determine whether we're going to seek out and follow that plan of God or whether we're going to lean to our own selfish inclinations and just develop our own plan, choose what we want to do, and do that. The choice is ours. But whichever choice we make, God is still going to complete his overall plan in human life and eternity. And his desire is for us to be conformed to his image and his design and his plan for our lives. But he allows to go our own way if that's what we choose to do. But make no mistake about it this morning. Choosing to follow or not follow God's plan for our lives will not deter his ultimate plan. Amen. And actually, if we make a bad choice there and, and we do not return to following his plan, God will actually use our lives in his own way uh, to work together for good outcomes to those that are called according to his purpose. That's right. Amen? Amen. He works all things together for good of those. Those folks. And so he, he's working it out. Romans 8 28 reminds us of that. Another uh, scripture that's a favorite of so many about how God's working all things together for our good. Now, to every believer, there are two calls, at least, that comes in their lives when they commit their life to God. First one is, of course, the call to salvation. And uh, that is, of course, the most important one. But it is an ongoing one. It's not just a one and done thing. God is, we're, Paul talked about working out your own salvation. You've got to kind of work through this thing. And as, as, uh, your life uh, continues and your walk with God continues, we are being saved. It's like we have been saved, we are being saved, and we're going to be saved. You understand? Uh, and so there, there is this ongoing thing of God working in our lives uh, out salvation. But the second call that comes to every believer that answers the call of salvation is a call to receive God's individual work for them. 
And God has a purpose and a work for every single believer in the body of Christ. Amen. Nobody is without me. That's right. Your life has a purpose. And God has called every person to find that place and to function in the body of Christ uh, for the good of the entire body of the church. To minister is to serve. And everybody becomes a servant when you become a child of God. Uh, the Lord said, uh, even the Lord himself got down and washed his disciples' feet. And if he did that, we ought to be a servant as well. Now, God has called us to work for him. I don't know, Brother Josh, if you uh, follow along with me here, but there should be a heading for this. God has called us to work for him. Our calling for service within the church involves a specific work for each one of us. And we are to dedicate ourselves to completing that, to, uh, to performing that work, to find out what it is and to engage in it and, and push that uh, to, to become all that we can be in God's design and plan. This is beyond our general calling of just reaching the lost that we are all called to, right? Amen. I mean, everybody that's saved is called to reach the lost. That's right. To go into all the world. Amen. <clears throat> that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to travel the world, but it means that everywhere you can go, every person you can talk to, you're going to, you're going to, to reach for the lost. This is in addition to that. You have a specialized work that God wants you to devote yourself to. Now, it could be a specialized area of ministry uh, to the lost, or it could be a specialized area of ministry to the body itself. There's kind of like two categories here. And often, it's good if we can have a footprint in both. If somehow in our life we can be involved in outreach, uh, ministry, and some way we can be involved in ministering to the body uh, that, that God has made us a part of. And the strong joining together of all of our God-called purposes and gifts is what makes the church strong and mighty in the earth today and vital. So it's it's God wants us to use and your your ability, every one of us are born with certain abilities. Uh Every one of us have the opportunity, we will, to develop certain abilities Amen. that we might not have had, but we may be able to develop. But there are also, in addition to that, spiritual gifts that God may impart to us. These are not necessarily things you were born with. These are things that God imparts to you uh, that he wants to use you in. And, and uh, that is... Uh, maybe for a given moment, or it may be something that God just imparts and plants, and it's a it's a gift and calling that's uh, that, that's with you throughout your life. And God would desire you to pray and seek His will and be used in that area. Whatever whatever your calling is, it's unique to you as an individual, and it's so important that we allow that to play out in our life. And uh, I, I know that the Lord wants to do that in his church. Now, God has called us to work and he will empower us to do what he's called us to do. God called Paul, and this is this where we're coming back to our text this morning. Remember, we read the Lord said, be of good cheer. Just like you have been a witness in Jerusalem, you're going to be a witness in Rome. He's not been to Rome yet. There's about 40 men that said, we're going to kill you. They have taken a note that they're not going to eat until they have killed Paul. And so he, the Lord gives him some encouragement. Has God ever just come along and give you encouragement when you was fighting a battle or when you, maybe fear was beginning to kind of come upon you? Uh, the Lord just comes and gives him a word. He says, Paul, be of good cheer. Now these men are going to lie in wait 
on the road and they had conspired with the religious leaders to call for Paul to come back to the synagogue to for some questioning and some, some things and and, and uh, so then they were going to lie and wait on the road where he would have to travel to get there and they were going to kill him. One man, they've got 40 people taking an oath that they're not going to eat until they kill him. And they're conspiring and working with a host of others. And he don't even know this uh, up front immediately, but he will. Uh, what, what happens is, uh, the and I may get ahead of myself just a little bit, uh, but but he, he has a nephew that is, lives in Jerusalem, a sister and a nephew. And uh, the nephew very likely was, was actually a very young man, perhaps a boy. Uh, we get that from the fact that uh, when uh, he, he overheard something and he tells his, his mother and she says, you need to go let Paul know. Paul is, he's, he's, he's been bound because here at Jerusalem, and this is a crazy thing, even before he got to Jerusalem, there were prophets in the church telling him, you're going to be bound when you get to Jerusalem. And Paul went anyway. Because it was God's will for him to go. That's right. Uh, the prophets were telling the truth, but he was willing to be bound because he knew that he had a job to do. And so he gets there, and he's he's uh, doing what he always does. He's been a witness, and it causes a stir. Actually, what happened was some folks from Asia, Jews from Asia, happened to be in town, and they knew what had happened in synagogues over there when Paul got to preaching, and they saw him, and they alerted the officials that this is. They said this man has been causing all kind of stir and. And strive for troubles everywhere he goes. Well, there was a big old stir, and they, they were they were about to beat him up, perhaps kill him right there. And the uh, someone told the appointed Roman official uh, about it, and he sent men down there to get him and brought him back, put him in custody for safekeeping, uh, to to have these guys come back and tell why they had something against him, what was going on here. And it's while he's there in safekeeping that uh, the Lord speaks to him. Uh, actually, first of all, his, his, uh, his, his nephew arrives to tell him that the, uh, the, the synagogue, the people there, the leaders, they were going to have him brought there for questioning to, before the council. And, uh, and, and so... The nephew comes, tells Paul. Paul tells the guard. The guard goes, tells his superior that's over the whole deal. And the superior says, we got to do something about this. And so they, you understand, Paul was a Roman citizen. And so not all of them understood this. And it, uh, it became very important. They could not break the Roman law against a Roman citizen here. They had to treat him right, give him an opportunity to face his accusers, was part of that and all. So anyhow, he, uh, he, he, he calls, he, he sends like 200 soldiers plus like another 200 horsemen. <coughs> I, there, there was, I ended up and there was like, I believe there was like about 470 men that leaves at 9 o'clock at night headed to a, uh, the, the main uh, headquarters of the Roman government in the entire region, a place that Herod the Great had built, like a castle, a fortress, and they're going to take him there. So they slip out by cover of darkness at 9 o'clock at night, and you got nearly 500 men taking Paul to this place. The soldiers, when they get down the road far enough uh, to another town where there's a main Roman road that goes from there on to Herod's building and all of that, the, the 200 of them leave off, but all the horsemen and everyone, and they go on. There's spearmen in the street, there's all kind and, uh, and, and so, can you imagine this, protecting one man 
What would bring such hatred? What would bring such passion against him? Uh, just one man. And what has he done? He's, he's really uh, done nothing wrong. He still serves the God of their fathers, the, 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 the people at the synagogue, the Jews, and all of that. Uh, but he's just following out God's plan for his life and doing what God's called him to do. Just like every one of us has the work to do. There is going to be opposition. And it's not just against you. The Lord said, they hated me. And hatred against God and God's rule that Satan carries in his heart and he puts it in the heart of men will resist in fact, and if you serve God, there will be resistance if you try to allow God to work out His plan in your life. And you may think, you, you may want to take it personal, but the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual darkness, all of that. That's working in people's hearts. They don't even really many times understand what they're doing. But can you imagine these men? I mean, they were about to beat him up. They were about to kill him probably on the spot. And then they come up to where he's being held. And, and uh, they, to, because the, the Roman officials said, you know, you've got to come and bring your accusations against him and everything. And, and Paul says something about one of them not recognizing that it was the high priest. Because they were probably not dressed in all the garments and everything. And uh, he, he says something kind of writes to him because he had told these others to slap Paul right there. And, and Paul said, here you are to judge me according to your law, Jewish law, Old Testament law, and you, you're breaking that law by telling him to slap me. And they said, you realize, you're speaking against the high priest. Well, he didn't realize it was the high priest or he wouldn't have even said that even though it's true. But he would not have, he would not have done that would have still respected that authority enough to not bring that kind of accusation against the man. But still, that kind of hatred, that they would just slap him right there. And, and, and they, had said they wanted to kill him. It was in their hearts desperately to do it. They wanted so bad to do it. And, and so, but, but he was determined to play out the will of God in his life. And let me tell you something. When, when you go, when you make that determination, uh, there are going to be times when you have failures in that. It's not always going to, at every step along the way, work out with great success every time, every venture that you undertake. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're failing. But God will bring to pass his ultimate plan in the end. And he will use us in the process as long as we keep ourselves compliant with his will. If you will stay committed and submitted and compliant with God's will in your life, I promise you from the word of God, I'm standing on the scripture this morning, God will complete his script for your life. Give the Lord a hand up and praise this morning. Hallelujah. God has a plan for you. Now, I want to come back to this, how much the enemy wants to wipe that out in our lives. Forty men that despised Paul so much that together they swore this oath and got involved in this conspiracy. The hatred of Satan and his imps against God's plan is so strong. It's, it's difficult for us to even comprehend how much Satan hates the church. Yes, he does. And do you realize you can be kind of caught in a crossfire as a child of God? Mm -hmm. Think about Job. 
It was of no fault in Job's life that he lost everything he had. Satan took his children. Satan took his possessions. Satan took his health. Led to his own wife saying, why don't you just curse God and die? And, and he was just caught in the crossfire. He had done nothing wrong. That's right. But there is this cosmic battle going on. And there is such hatred against the righteous. There is such hatred against those who will put their complete confidence in God's plan for their life. And God will bless those who do that. Yeah. But Satan will also seek to attack. Now, in God's infinite wisdom, even Satan's attack, as long as we will stay submitted, will produce God's plan in our Amen. life. That's right. It will come to pass. Amen. Uh, Malcolm Muggeridge, in, in, in his... Uh, in, in his work called Homemade, he, he made this statement. Contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experience that at times seemed especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in the world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my experience has been through affliction and not through happiness. <coughs> Now, let me reassure you of something here this morning. The enemy's plans will never surprise God. That's right. They are conspiring in the back rooms, making connections and working together and all these men determined we're going to kill Paul. But God knew about it all along. Amen. And he sent someone down. Now, I want to say something else right here. This was not really part of the plan this morning, but, but uh, many scholars look at that instance, that young boy that went down there. And I say young boy because when he got there, uh, when the soldier guarding Paul sent him to the centurion of the one that was ahead, uh, that man took him by the hand, the Bible says. And let him away from everyone so they can talk private. And because he said it took him by the hand, more than likely he probably knew he was a young man. But also, there are many scholars that take from this the possibility. The evidence seems to lead possibly that Paul's sister and son-in-law were close enough to this group of people that perhaps they had not approved of Paul's life. They have not become Christians. We don't know that for sure. But but the evidence seems to maybe lean a little more in that direction than the other way here. Because of their closeness to be able to hear this plot and all of that. Uh, but they didn't want him to die. And God used them to bring about saving Paul and all that. And so there's this army that escorts Paul down to the governor Felix, who's providing him protection as a Roman citizen. And uh, all of this opposition doesn't catch God off guard. And he puts ample protection there. No tool formed against God's people will prosper. Amen. It doesn't matter what the devil tries. It may in the short term look like it does. Right. But if we will stay submitted, in the end, it will only produce God's will and God's purpose in us. It's impossible for those that serve the Lord to avoid having enemies, folks. But let me tell you something. Those enemies are the ones that oppose God. They're opposing God. I want to just reiterate that this morning. Let me tell you something. If you serve God, you will have enemies. But it will be because they oppose God. Now, don't get me wrong here this morning. You work a job and, and, and you 
lying, cheating, stuff like that, claim to be a Christian, uh, and you get in trouble for that, that is not suffering for Christ's sake. And that's not opposition because you're a Christian. But if you are trying to do God's will, the best of your ability, you're seeking the Lord's work and to play out his will in your life, then those, those, that opposition is going to come from those that are against God's purpose in the earth. And there are many people that are against God's purpose in the earth. Human, uh, humanity, uh, humanism is, is opposed to God's purpose. And, that they, the, the belief that somehow, as humans, we can save the world. We can save the world from global warming. We can save the world from, from wars. We can save the world from starvation. I think we ought to work toward those things if, if possible to, 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 to help things and make things better. But let me tell you something. Amen. We will never, as humans, be able to do it. It's going to come down. It's going to fail. If it's just human government, if it's just human beings, the only way the thing can be saved is if we submit to God who designed and created this great plan. And we'll do that. The Lord will complete his work in us. Amen. Now, whatever God's begun in our lives, he will finish every work. And God's demonstrated this from the very, very beginning. Go back to Genesis. You remember six days he's, he's doing work, right? He's creating the world. He's creating all the stuff that's in. He's creating mankind. Adam and Eve is made. All of this he's, he's for six days. But then the Bible tells us that on the seventh day, God ended the work which he had made and rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. He finished what he started. You can find that in the very beginning of your Bible. And all the way through your Bible, you will find that God finishes what he starts. That is, that is an awesome trait and characteristic of God. And that same principle is true regarding the God's work in our lives. Uh, and and he's, he's not through with that plan what, in our lives, just like he's not through, was not through with Paul's, the, the plan for Paul. So he, he activated a plan to rescue Paul from that. And he says to him, Paul, don't you worry, be a good cheer. You're going to testify wrong. There was not a human on the face of this planet or a devil in hell that was capable of stopping killing Paul before he got to Rome. Because God had said, that's my plan for your life. As long as Paul stays submitted to God, there's no, I, I don't care if they had sent an entire army after one man. If they had sent if, if they had sent the entire uh, Roman, if they'd all bound together, all the armies of the world had bound against that one man, he would have made it to Rome without them killing him because God had a plan for him to be a witness in Rome. And he would fulfill that plan. He would, he would finish and complete what God had called him to do. Now, he would die in Rome, and he was willing to die. But he would spend at least two years there living in his own rented house. He's sort of under house arrest. Uh, but living in his own house and they let people come and go. And he had all kinds of liberty and everything. And, and, and he was witnessing and ministering there in Rome and, and strengthening the church. And, and uh, throughout all the region, his letters were being sent. And, and he was communi communicating with the Christians in Rome and teaching and all of that. Amen. During this time, he was he was being very very effective as he always was. Amen. During that time, now he would he would eventually, you know, he had made his appeal to Caesar, and that's why that he had to go. And so there were several stops along the way where he gives his testimony. You read this in the following chapters there, and I would encourage you to go back maybe a chapter or two and start reading here in Acts and read on through this this whole thing from when he was put in bonds there in Jerusalem until he gets to Rome. It, it, it's very, very fascinating. He gets to witness to a lot of people along the way. High up government officials, Festus and Agrippa and many others, he would give his testimony to them. Agrippa would say, almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. Paul said, I wish it all together. You were as I am. Amen. He was a powerful witness. Yeah. Amen. 
God had a plan. He was going to see these people. God put them in his path. They would not have been in his path and it probably not been for this opposition. But this was God's way of using whatever tool the devil had to bring about God's greater plan. And it was going to be awesome. Do you know, can, can you just think about the effects of the Apostle Paul's life? Somebody could have said, look, he lost his life. He, he, he was killed in Rome. What a tragedy. What a horrible thing. Do you realize the impact? This man wrote over half the New Testament. Part of the reason he was writing some of these letters is because he was in bondage. He was, he, he, he was in a jail somewhere. He couldn't go to them, so he had to write a letter. But that allowed for there to be a letter for us to read. And God anointed his pen and gave him the words to write. And he left, preserved, amen, according to God's divine greater plan, amen, so much instruction and teaching and help for the New Testament church. What an incredible man. Perhaps no one in history affected the New Testament church other than Jesus Christ. I, I, I'm sure of it. No one as much as the apostle Paul. But here's a man who faced much opposition. But the, me the, the measure of his opposition, the opposition against him, didn't even come close to the measure of the force that was with him. Amen. And look what he was able to do. The encouragement that we have received and the help that we have received in our life from the preaching of, of what is God's word through the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And God's plans, let me tell you, are always one step ahead of the devil's plans. Amen. It doesn't matter what he concocts. Even in the middle of the night, even behind closed doors, God is always a step ahead of us. Oh. Hallelujah. God does not call us to fail. That's right. And what a blessing it is to know that God's plans for us are going to succeed in what he's called us to do. We can do what he has called us to do. And Paul wrote of, of God performing his will in this, in this letter to, to the Philippians here. I, I'm, 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 he said, I, I'm sure that God is going to complete what he started. But in verse 13, for he said, For it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. You just submitted to God. Amen. Tried your best to follow God's plan in your life. Seeking that plan, praying about it. You know what? God is working in you to do his good pleasure. And he will, yes. he will do it. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Has the day of Jesus Christ happened yet? No. It's coming. But, but right here, in black and white, in your Bible, it tells you, that he will complete that all the way to the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. God will complete it. Now he's going to complete his work of salvation in your life. He's working that out in our lives. As we're working it out, as we're working with him to keep our hearts cleansed, our praying in the tabernacle, we come by that altar every day, praying, Lord, uh, I'm, I'm putting it on the altar today. God, anything I've said, I shouldn't say any attitude that rose up in me. God, I'm going to lay it down right here. I'm leaving it right here. I'm putting it under your blood. We're working out our own salvation every day. Amen. If after you've been saved, you, you, you say it again. The Bible says we have an advocate with the Father. We can go to the Lord. And He will. he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. we got to keep doing that. we got to put it back on the altar. we got to keep asking forgiveness. we got to keep repenting. But if we're willing to do that, amen, uh, and, and, and we don't let our own stubborn will interrupt God's plans in our lives and derail God's work, we're going to be saved. Amen. And the devil can't do anything about it. You're the only one that can do anything about it. That's right. I'm going to give the devil his due today. Right now, I think he's doing good black eye. I'm telling him right now, there's not a person in this building that he can stop from being saved. Don't blame it on the devil. That's right. He cannot prevent you from being saved. You are the only person in the world. Now why, by all means, would you want to send yourself to hell? Amen. 
I would think you'd be the last person in the world that would want to let that happen. You're the only one that has the power. But let me also assure you that God will complete his specialized work in your life as well. What he has begun, he will finish. We will not die as an incomplete, half-hearted beginning of a project. Glory to God. God, the Bible says he makes all things beautiful in his time. That's right. Sometimes we want it to be beautiful right now, and sometimes it's kind of ugly right now. But he makes all things beautiful in his time. You just got to be patient. And seek the will of God and pursue it with all of your heart. God, what's your script for my life? What do you want me to do? That's what I'm going to do, Lord. That's where I'm going to it may not look pretty right now. It may be rough right now. There may be people that's, that's trying to kill you right now. But if you will seek that with all of your heart and submit your heart to God, I am telling you that God will not let you die an unfinished task. Amen. I remember back in the 70s, a record, an old record my dad had. He played, it was a song. It was one of the Christmas for Christ records they put out every year back then. And they sold them to raise money for starting new churches. Uh, different different artists, uh, Pentecostal artists, would, would have songs on it that they would donate, I guess, to the project. But anyway, uh, one of the songs on there was, Lord, please don't let me leave behind an unfinished task. And I'll never forget those words. I, I couldn't quote the whole song to you by any means. It's been too long. But, but God, don't let me leave behind an unfinished Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I want to follow your plan. Because I know that if I follow your plan, that I'm not going to leave and unfinish everything you called me to do. I'm going to complete with your help. You're going to make sure it happens, and that's just the way it's going to be because our God will demonstrate his faithfulness to us. I'm bringing this yeah, to a close this let me, let me just say that sometimes we can become discouraged because we can't hardly see the big picture of God's perfect. We can even think at times that we're we're failing in the work that God has called us to. But as long as we're faithful to Jesus, we can be certain that he will not abandon a half-finished painting. He's going to complete what he has begun in us. Praise God. And we'll be finished on time. We'll be finished on time. Now, certain circumstances in life may bring opposition and things that we'll have to confront. But if we could see the whole picture of what God's doing, we would recognize, we would see that there is no failure or defeat in our lives. Amen. It is God's perfect plan, and He is working it all together for our. Our human perspectives of victory sometimes differs from God's divine perspective of victory. But Paul died. He was a martyr. They took his life, this greatest missionary the world had ever seen. What a failure. He must have messed up. Surely, that wasn't God's will. Surely, uh, he, he must have failed somewhere because the blessings of God would have been in his life. He would, have, he would have had a nice retirement. A friend of mine posted on Facebook yesterday. He said, I hear they're doing away with the Walmart greeters. He said, there goes my retirement plan. Didn't, it didn't end up the way we would have scripted it. We would have had Paul living to a ripe old age, being healthy. And 
dreams that we dream of. But God worked all that together for good according to his ultimate plan. Now, Paul's going to die eventually anyway, right? That's right. Every one of us, if we don't live until the Lord's return, we're going to go by the way of the grave. He's going to die anyway. Yeah. And we can look at this, oh, God. He died. Well, he was going to die. But the Lord allowed it to come a little early. History tells us that he, I believe that he ran to the guillotine. Yeah. He was ready. He had already made up his mind to fight. To live as Christ, to die as gay. That's right. <laughs> well, when I die, I'm not going to be sleeping in this jail no more. <laughs> I'm going to a place where treasures in heaven. You can have a 401k that can be wiped out overnight. That's right. It can be wiped out overnight. When you lay up treasures in heaven, moth and rust, don't break, thieves can't break in God's got a plan. Now, now hear me. Hear me here just for a moment longer today and we're going to say God's got a plan for this church in this hour. Yes, he does. And about a year ago, a little over a year ago, things started. God began to reveal this plan. And there's destiny for great prophecies go forth. Brother Morgan and others, even right here in our own body, prophecies about that and things that's going to happen. Some of those things I've not shared with you. But we're making plans to set that in, in motion. Right. Even right now. I've been on the phone the past two weeks with some men past month with a couple of men talking about setting some of those plans in motion for this local church right here where we're going to minister to people from all over. That's right. Right here at this local church. There's going to be people coming from all over right here. That's right. For teaching and training. And <clears throat> these pews are going to be filled up. Our Sunday school rooms are going to be filled up. Yes. This church is going to triple in a matter of short period of time. All of that is God's will. God began to put that in our hearts. We became inspired by that. You have become motivated in prayer and, and, and believing what God has spoken. And this morning, what I want to say to this church is, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost today, I believe with all of my heart, what God has spoken going to come to pass. Amen. There will be opposition. Yes. And when you start fully submitting to God's plan for great things that God wants to do, like Paul did, there's going to be strong spiritual opposition to that. That's right. And our challenge this year is to work with God. Right. To learn to work with Him. What that means is, that that means is, when we feel a little bit of a lull, we can't forget the plan. Amen. And what we got to do, That's right. we got to push forward in that. Amen.
If we're going to do all of that stuff, prayer has got to be a central force yes, in this church. Amen. I'm telling you, there's going to come a day when there's going to be prayer in this church every single day. Right. There's going to be people coming here to pray every day of the week. Amen? Amen. Tuesday night, Tuesday night, we're going to start, we're, this building's going to eventually fill up on Tuesday night with people praying, yes. seeking the Lord. And, and what, what's our, we, we've got, if we want to see those great things, if, we, if we're going to truly submit to what God has called us to, and what I'm telling you here is you really don't have a choice in a sense. Come on. Well, I don't know if I'm up to that. I don't know if I want to dedicate that kind of commitment in my life and time and cost and all of that involved in that to see that happen. I'm going to tell you, when you step out of the will of God, You're in a dangerous place. Yes, and God is calling us to this. Yes, God is calling us to this. He's not calling us to do it for a month, for a week. He's not calling us to, to just make a little start and things don't really work out and they don't pan out real good for us. Then we'll just go back to doing like we always did. God has said, this is what my plan, my scripted plan that's been written since way back there somewhere before you were probably even born. This was my plan. And if you don't get on board now, and if you don't stay on board to complete this, you're going to miss my will. And when you miss my will, you're putting yourself in a dangerous position. You can backslide over it. You could, they, they, they could, you could get bitter over opposition. That, that comes to what God's doing in the body. And you you could, in, as a result of that, you could become weak in faith and, and, and you could lose out with God. It is so important that you, God not only gave you a call to salvation, but he has given you and this church a call to some great and mighty things in God. Amen. And so you've got to stand up in the face of that opposition and say, you know what? I'm going the wrong. Amen. You know what? So I'm telling you this morning, be of good cheer. Amen. We're going the wrong. What's wrong? For us, wrong is God's will. Yes. God's purpose. Amen? There's going to be miracles in this assembly. Yes. There's going to be people coming from far and wide. It's going to be written in the newspapers. It's going to be on the television. Amen. What God